always wanted to know who the best player was on tour simply because I wanted to actually work as hard. And then I ran into a, a little guy by the name of George Knudsen out of Canada. And I watched him hit the golf ball. I watched him with the white stand, making the club back way inside, releasing the club. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the McKellar Golf Podcast. Not an emergency edition this week. Before I introduce my co-host, he's coming up to Christmas. I always say that this is not a podcast. This is a podcast attached to a golf magazine, literary journal, mckellarmagazine.com. If you love the podcast, please go to mckellarmagazine.com. Support uh, world-class golf writing. We have a beautiful set of journals. Uh, You can buy, I think, issues one and two are sold out. But three, four, five, six, and seven are still available at mckellarmagazine.com. Jeff Shackelford, uh, my co-host. But before Jeff, uh, you have a, a weekly newsletter on Substack called The Quadrilateral. Uh, for those of you who haven't yet subscribed, please do. It's uh, it's the only way to keep up with what's going on in the world of golf. Any any new subscribers, Jeff? Oh yeah, yeah. It's been a great, uh, great December. I I complain about having to work uh, in December because I had started the newsletter, uh, hoping to uh, have a little bit of an off season. But uh, I follow the news, and so uh, it's been nice to see some very uh, uh, wonderful people have signed up, and um, we'll just keep covering the news. The year in review on the the year end survey may get delayed, but I'm still working on some things, and I hate I hate when the year ends and I, and you haven't savored some of the better parts. I think it's important to do that um, and look back because it's always, as you know, shocking uh, to think, Oh, that happened this year. (laughs) Uh, And, and, and and just, I just enjoy going back and reviewing geekier stuff too, like on shot link with how holes, you know, played in the majors and stuff like that. So uh, it's, but it's all, all good. I'm really enjoying the newsletter and it's going great. And thank Thankfully, a lot of people are uh, still signing up, which is nice. Good stuff. This is a golf podcast, uh, but it feels like it's been a business podcast for the last while. Uh, we did want to kind of mimic Cara uh, and Scott and Pivot. Uh, perhaps we've gone too far. So we're going to start with golf this week. Uh, quite a lot of events, quite a lot of golf around the world, Jeff. I want to start, though, with the um, probably an event that a lot of people don't know is going on. It's the Sandbelt Invitational. Jeff Ogilvy and Mike Clayton's event down in Australia. Four rounds, 72 holes of golf. Um, men's amateur, men's uh, uh, women's amateur, uh, men's pro and women's pro. As we're recording, we're heading into the fourth round. It's a brilliant event, Jeff. I was down there last year. The Spoiled Brat actually played in it. I was lucky enough to play with some really good players. Didn't do very well, although he won the team event. Anyway, a fantastic event. Uh, I was talking to Clayton, Jeff, before it started. And he was just saying that the efforts that some people make to come and play. I want to highlight one, uh, Robin Choi, who... He's playing on the Epsom Tour all last year. Uh, missed her card by about 800 bucks or something. Shocker. But she went to uh, LPG Tour Q School last week, won it over six rounds, and then flew st- straight down to Melbourne to, to participate in the Sandbelt Invitational. Absolute legend. So well done, Robin. Um, I'm not sure how, she, how she's doing. I haven't looked at the scorecard uh, or scoreboard overnight. The other one down there, Cam Davis, made it all the way down there. Uh, so awesome, some great players, brilliant event. Uh, Shaq, if you ever get the chance, when you go down to the Sandbelt, you've been down there, my goodness. Yes. The number of golf courses, wow. Yeah, they're tremendous, uh, and yeah, they're very uh, they're very blessed to have what they have and more good ones uh, on the way. What's amazing down, in, down there is just the generosity of these massive, or not massive, 
but really famous and fantastic golf courses. You know, they're forever giving over their golf course to tournaments, all sorts of yeah. tournaments. You know, the Australian Amateur, the Victoria Amateur. The final round this week, I think, is on uh, the West Course at Royal Melbourne. Last year it was on the East Course. Uh, Kingston Heath was not this year, but it was last year. This year is Victoria, Yara Yara, and uh, Peninsula King Kingswood, I think it is, PK. Uh, just amazing. It's so... Wouldn't it be great if... Uh, if Cypress Point turned around one year and just said to, I don't know. Hey, they have a college points. tournament. Yeah, but it's like top secret. <laughs> I mean, they, I they don't want anybody to know it's all. I know. I, do, I, I do understand that they've got, you know, there's p- parking issues and all. And I do understand that they're giving up, uh, they're giving the course to the um, Walker Cup in 25. Yeah. But my goodness, some of these other courses. Anyway, the Sandbelt Invitational, if you're listening to this and you haven't yet been, you might get along there in the morning. I'm not saying get on a flight to Melbourne, but if you're if you're local, it's a great event. Walk down the fairways. You can't beat it, Jeff. Walking down the fairways behind pro golfers, watching the ball down the line, the sounds you're right up there when the, the club head hits the ball. It's awesome. Uh, other events, uh, I, d- I only saw. I didn't see much of it, but the uh, oh my god, PGA Tour, the mi- uh, the mixed event of the weekend, Grant Thornton, won by Lydia Cole and Jason D. You watched a bit of it. Looked pretty good. Yeah, it, it was what you'd hoped, and the, the player reaction was what you'd hoped, uh, what we've all been ranting and raving about for years, bringing back this event or trying to get more mixed uh, events, uh, You know, whether it's the Olympics or the President's Cup. It just makes so much sense on so many levels uh, from an entertainment perspective, from a, uh, you know, just, just uh, intrigue level. And, uh, you know, the Australian Open is, I just love what they do with the the the, the I, I get that it's not easy but i think it's fantastic that they have the men and the women finishing at the same you know with staggered groups but finishing on the same day and playing the same course uh it's it's just where we we need more of it because of the sports world showing that people love this kind of uh combination of of the men and women and the olympics we're seeing it and uh, so, yeah, I thought it was really good. They, they did very well. Good field. Quality of the play was great. My only quibble uh, was that they ended on best ball. They started with scramble. And, you know, the old shark shootout when it was here in L.A., when when at Sherwood, when they did great, amazing fields, uh, they would finish with a scramble on Sunday. And it was thrilling because it was just a birdie. I mean, it was an incredible shootout. What, what would happen those last days? And um so yeah i i I like that they had uh also modified alternate shot which i think is better in stroke play you know the zurich plays straight alternate shot it's just not meant for stroke play so yeah it was it was fantastic you saw the comments of lydia ko i think and she was uh yeah it wasn't just like oh this is uh she just had she had a, a deeper reflection that i really liked and i i put that in the newsletter but the um uh, I hope I hope we we see more of it. I think the hurdle is the is the the pay and and the equity situation and and um, uh, that's just something that I guess has probably fallen way down the list of of issues down at the PGA Tour is the the uh, partnership with the LPGA Tour. One of the things I liked about it is just the con- seeing the contrast between how the game is played. Yeah. Yeah, which is really and you mentioned the you know the scoring or whatever and playing together. I think what they do at the Sandbelt, the men and the women just play at different pars. So I think yesterday I noticed that they were playing at PK, and I think the women were playing at par seventy four. You know, off, I think off the same tees. 
and the men, you know, and the men were playing the par seventy two. So no, that works in that. It just wouldn't. It work. Yeah, it wouldn't work in the uh, in this uh, situation. But yeah, no, it can be. There's a lot. There's creativity. There, people can figure these things out. It's it's uh, it, it needs to happen. But I mean, obviously, the one that's just a no brainer is the President's Cup, and and uh, who knows? Maybe this whole uh, existential moment for the PGA Tour will will allow for the revisiting of that idea can keep coming back to sandbelt the other thing is like the younger players the good amateurs elite amateurs get to play with cam davis myself and uh and niall were just chatting the other night wouldn't it be amazing if if a you know a top five player a major champion it's a long way away but wouldn't it be awesome somebody like i don't know rory rory talks about his love of the sandbelt and the australian open or whatever just to trap up yeah putting the bag on the back and just go and play four days <laughs> No, impossible dream, but oh my goodness, what that would do. Talking about growing the game, by the way. I know, I know. Well, look, even the times he remember when he he occasionally would turn up at just yeah you know, some local uh, driving range. You know, just things like that that happen are, are fantastic. Yeah. There's so much more uh, important and fun and and different than uh, than I mean that you know uh, just to not to not to go on a on a on a down a, a rat hole, but. Um, and he's been on my mind lately because the, the signs are he's not doing very well. But but uh, when Peter Oosterhaus lived in Santa Barbara, uh, he'd be out. Of, yeah, you know, his playing career was was pretty much over, but he was he'd be out there hitting balls at Sandpiper. And uh, and I was at UC Santa Barbara. That's where I went my first two years. And I, yeah, I being a dumb kid, I just started to go to talk to him and. Uh, we ended up kind of, you know, multiple times on the driving range there. It's public course. It's just a, yeah, whatever. And I'd watch him hit some and, and just chat a little. And it ended up that, that I, one of those conversations, I mentioned to him that the Riviera, uh, director of golf job was available and, uh, or it opened up. And then the next thing I heard, he, <laughs> he took the job. I did, I had no idea. I think he, I kind of knew, I guess he was looking for something, but anyway, but it was more that I got to talk to this guy who I, whose name I yeah. knew very well. And I knew he was a great, great player. I didn't have Google at the time to go pull up his record or videos and watch his, uh, you know, exploits in the Ryder cup and so on. But, uh, it meant a lot to me as a young player. And it was, it was also probably helped my development just in just the idea that I kind of found the way to start talking to him. So, um, Anyway, you're right. It's it's just those kinds of things are so so great for uh, for younger players, and and uh, uh, it'd be cool if they happen more often. The uh, we've gone about all the time. Great for personal branding. My goodness, you have to do that once a year. My well, goodness. now, you can, yeah, yeah, you can full, yeah. Everybody has a camera, for months. yeah, and these things get documented. So yeah, it's one of the cool things about uh, sort of everybody always being on 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 camera and live, and <laughs> and everything can be uh, transmitted. It, it's actually a positive of that that you get to see these little moments of people uh, doing stuff that you otherwise wouldn't know about. That would be really cool. Uh, the other events uh, going on the week, golf. It's good, good to talk about golf. Well, one was uh, I did watch a bit of this. I went to the trouble of pulling up my YouTube feed. Uh, I watched the live uh, play an event. Wow, um, you really have no yeah. life. Wow. Well, there you go. It was again. I'm not sure it's a the best way to identify the three players he went on. Uh, you want on tour uh, for the re for the year, but my goodness, it was uh, quite fun. Uh, fun's the wrong word, but anyway. 
couple of things where it came down. There was a, a Finnish guy, and I'll tell you pronunciation, Kali Samuja, I think, won it. Uh, a long-time grinder in various schools, Q schools all over the world. Anyway, he had a, a, the weekend of his life. Uh, so he's now on the uh, the live money train for a year. Uh, yeah. the, but the, by, far, by far the most exciting part, by far. I mean, we're, we're talking relatively here. Um, uh, there's a three-for-two playoff. Uh, Laurie Cantor, Kieran, a guy called Kieran Vincent. And the last guy, Jinchiro oh, Kazuma. Please let that be close. Well, a couple of things about that. Um, Vincent and Kazuma got through. Laurie Cantor missed a, oh my God, I felt so oh, sorry for him. Yeah. He missed a, that, he was such a weak ass putt from, that sounds so American. Um, very poor putt from five foot straight up the hill. Weak and right, the worst kind of putt. Felt really bad for him. Uh, but the main talking point, Jeff, who, lo and behold, these guys are, this is big for these guys. And who <laughs> appears on the fairway? In the middle of the fairway, but you know. Oh who, wait, Mr. can I can I take a guess? Would it be Greg right, Norman? Then. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. I I couldn't believe it. I honestly I couldn't believe it. I thought it was a lookalike or some oh, come even on. if it was a joke. Oh, well, of course I don't. Um, absolutely preposterous, self-centered. I mean, this isn't a <laughs> this isn't a riv uh, an anti-live anti-Greg Norman uh, rant. That's just rank bad manners. Yeah. You, I mean, I would hope. Well, I would hope if I was in the, you know in the same position as Laurie Cantor, I would have told Greg to Greg to go and you know f off. But I'm guessing you can't do that to the commissioner of the tour. But it was really uh, not good, you know, and not not thoughtful, not respectful. But I mean, I'm you know I'm not surprised that Greg would be like that. But there you go, pretty awful stuff though. You've seen this with Norman and yeah, normal live events. He stands on the tee he, he to to get in the camera shot, you know, to kind of be positioned so that and he's out there monitoring things. It's just he just can't help himself. It's uh he's feeling it right now too. He just came from New York. He he uh, was in his sharpshooter outfit and he and he got to greet John Rahm, put on the new uh, Letterman's jacket on their they're big signy, so he was he was feeling it, and but but you but to your point, I mean, it just I, he, it's great that he went there and gave it his blessing, yeah. you know. But that's good, but uh, because this was an important thing for them in terms of uh, showing that they are uh, that there is a, an avenue to get on their tour, which was one of the, the the big problems for the world golf ranking, and he they did it, they contested it, they have three journeymen essentially. And they come from three different parts of the world. They have to be elated. And and I got to be honest, I think it's it's like with tour school this week or the, the way tour school used to be. There is just something really special about this idea that you can go qualify. And when the new year starts, you're going to be on a tour and who knows what happens. And that gives all the dreamers out there something. And it shows that. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I didn't understand how the hell you got invited to the thing. That was all a little bit wet, wacky to me. And then who didn't show and who entered and but they legitimately have shown there is a way. There are three players now who will who've basically guaranteed themselves a million pounds or or million bucks uh if they just finish last every week next every week. year. Yeah. Uh and yeah, and but hey, who knows? I mean, they're only 48 players. 
it's a crazy game. Um, so I, I mean, I'm, I'm not a fan of uh, Live, but I, I got to say this was a big thing for them to be able to show uh, the world rankings that they, you can get out there. The other uh, event, um, what else was going on golf? Oh yeah, Louis Oosthuizen won the uh, Alfred Dunhill in South Africa. That's, uh, I think that's four out of the last five European Tour events won by Live golfers. Jeff, yeah. What does it all mean? Uh, what does it mean? It means that they're uh, racking up some points in the in the fall, and they're motivated. And it shows you that world ranking points still mean something. I mean, I don't. Yeah, look, this is uh, Johan Rupert's event, the Alfred Dunhill. It's uh, they, they're they're going to play in that no matter what. They love it, um, and uh, good for them. It was a it was a rough. It's on right now on my television. The weather was brutal, uh, but the elephants were happy, so that's good. And then I just yeah. showed a rhino looking quite quite pleased to be uh, getting a little bath from the sky. But otherwise, yeah, it, good for them. And Schwartz will finish second, and and. Uh, We'll, uh, we'll see. They almost have a full schedule for next year, and they have John Rahm now. Uh, lots going on this week. Um, I'm not sure what's going on in the pro world, Jeff. I haven't even looked. Oh, and the, PNC. the PNC. Come on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the Charlie Woods. Uh, I wonder if Charlie's getting some sponsorship money. He should be. I hope he does well. I hope he's doing well at school. I hope the Tiger comes out and plays well and looks good. That would be awesome. Um it's actually quite a fun event, that isn't it? Jim? It is. It is. No, it's a good event. It's it's what silly season events should be. It's just something Absolutely. different, and it's fun. They get a, they get an amazing turnout. Uh, so yeah, no, I'm I'm anxious to see more of what uh, you know. Tiger took a cart, uh, I believe, last year, so we'll be looking for little things like that. And then, of course, all these guys convening, and when Trevino and some of the people who are there, they they kind of seem to activate to use the buzzword. Uh, I don't know. Just a little more appreciation for for uh, their places in the game. The players, their uh, they tend to be a little more opinionated. <laughs> and so I, it's a yeah, it's always a fun week. And with the golf ball stuff and the live stuff going on, and and the men having just played with the women last week, and some of the women, uh, Annika's in this, and Jessica, uh, I'm sorry, Nelly. And her dad are playing. Uh, so, yeah, I think it'll be fun to see what people have to say. And, and they've got blowout coverage. We got the Pro-Am is being televised. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, why not? You know, it's a good event. So, I think that's that's fun to, to see. And, uh, yeah, Tiger. Uh, although Tiger, uh, this one, for some reason, he goes very quiet at this one. I, th I think the whole Charlie thing still. Uh, I think I, I just get the sense that he's, he's proud, but it also, he, there's a guarded weird kind of, I, I think he's a little uncomfortable with some of the, uh, spotlight. I don't know. I mean, he, he anyway, he's just tends to be very careful at this one and what he, what he has to say, but there's a lot going on. So, uh, he also just doesn't really like to do the, the press part of this, uh, cause he doesn't want to over overshadow it. It seems like, so yeah, good, good stuff. You raise a good point with all the all that's going on and all these kind of older guys who are quite no, they don't care. <laughs> I, I wonder. Uh, I wonder if there's a polite instruction sent round, or you know, you know, can you maybe just not say, not speak about this, or yeah, I wonder if there'll be some not rules, but some uh, requests sent down down the line to maybe not be too harsh on Yasser or too harsh on uh, I don't know. Whoever your favorite uh, private equity billionaire is, uh, or least favorite. Uh, anyway, there's that. The other one, that much more, again, PNC is fine. The one that I'm really looking forward to is uh, Corn Ferry Tour Q School. 
Uh, it's actually a, 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 a PGA Tour Q school, I guess, because uh, this year, for the first time in a few years, I don't know how long it's, it's been gone, but there are now five cards available uh, to give access straight into the PGA Tour. That's a that's a huge deal. I mean, I remember going back. I remember something like an old man, but Golf Channel coverage from uh, La Quinta. Yeah. Uh, some of the oh my god, some of the car crashes. The yeah. guys, oh my god, tough um, course, tough awful. course to have to be yeah. trying to uh, make get your yeah. your cards secured on. Yeah. Yeah, but, but, but the point West. being, I mean. T- terrible for the people involved, but just compelling drama, highly watchable. So I think it's some of that on the Golf Channel this week. I'll be looking forward to that. It's good that they brought back again, as you say, Jeff, yeah. uh, five cards. Although to get to this stage of Q School, it's been quite a process. I think they had um, pre-qualifying for the Corn Ferry. Then they had uh, first stage Corn Ferry, second stage Corn Ferry, and, and here we are here. And there's a bunch of guys dropping down from, I think, from 125, 1200 from the PG Tour. They'll be in the field. So it's a, an extremely strong field. So if you're a dreamer, you better be a hell of a golfer as well if you're looking for one of those uh, PG Tour cards. And I guess that's the way it should be. Uh, but as I say, a welcome return to the golf landscape. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't. We, uh, I, I'm, I'm happy. It just it gives you that. I don't know. It gives the tour something. A little bit different when you have that 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 possibility that somebody could uh, could have a special week. Now, of course, with the signature events and all that, they they it's not quite the same. Uh, I don't miss the old, you know, the shuffle days of the West Coast swing and all that. But it it does it does. It's a two tiered tour. Let's face it, and uh, at least yeah. at the moment, <laughs> who knows what it's oh, yeah. what it's uh, going to be, but. Uh, yeah, it. it uh, I think it's a somewhat welcome distraction, but uh, it's a really unusual time with the the John Rom departure and and everything else going on, and and uh, it's it's uh, it's hard to tell what what to believe, Lawrence. But but I, I you know what the thing that I keep coming back to uh, that that throughout this saga that uh, we've experienced that the timing of various things has generally turned out to be very telling, and we've. Since we're not on the inside, we don't know what's going on. But when you think about it, uh, you can just kind of look at uh, little things that happen or big things that happen, and 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 it's just I'm I'm I was struck I'm on this reflection on timing because I this John Rom suspension news uh, is just yeah was landed uh, uh, Monday that PGA Tour couldn't wait to suspend him yet we're told that they're really eager to to uh, have peace and to reach a deal with the public investment fund and uh, blah, blah, blah. And there's this piece in sports illustrated uh, that, that just acts like the tour has a total upper hand, but that made no sense to me. And I think on the topic of timing, I, I, if you're, if you're aiming to make a deal, why, why didn't you wait a week to suspend him? Like what, why did that have to be done now? And you just go through the things we've had lately, the, you know, Rory's resignation. And now we've kind of gotten some tidbits from Rory since then. It's really becoming clear how he feels about things. He couldn't wait to, to endorse John Rom for future Ryder cups. He couldn't wait to endorse the ball rollback. Uh, although he was clear, he'd rather have bifurcation. Um, yeah, it just, it's an interesting thing. We keep seeing these, uh, 
And, and also we saw the tour and the PGA of America write these last. They're still campaigning after the comment period of the distance was over. You know, that's the kind of thing that a Rory or a Tiger has to look at and go, oh, guys, come on, man. You, you had your say. Uh, so there's just it's just a wow. It is it is a wild time to, <laughs> to be to be a watcher and to be reading the tea leaves on all this stuff and to see how it's playing out. And we'll talk more about this here with Josh Carpenter in a bit in the show. There is a lot going on. Actually, uh, quick reflections on the, the two big stories of the last week was the Ram thing and obviously the rollout. I think on the rollout, Jeff, I think it's basically game, set, and match to me. It looks like to the governing bodies. Uh, be- beautifully, I mean, you can argue about the nuts and bolts of the rollout, but beautifully handled, beautifully um, explained, won over m- most of the opposition forces, if we can put it like that. Um, most of the mm. manufacturers, are, well, there's one holdout. I mean, nobody takes them seriously anymore, um, I don't think. And te- certainly in terms of this debate, I mean, they will never come round. I mean, you could give them, you know, whatever they wanted and they'd still complain. So uh, you would like, obviously, you and I, most people would like it, you know, like not a five-year hiatus, but there is, again, there it is. Um, so there's, I don't know, do you think, uh, you? I mean, I think it looks to be over in terms of the, the, the debate. I mean, the yeah. debate is one that is happening. Um, so that would be that would be deemed to be a success, wouldn't it? I guess, yeah. I I still think they have work to do to explain to the average golfer because there's so you know they I, I think they just underestimate the 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 willingness of people to peddle misinformation and the willingness of people to to get people riled up for something that's that's years away that that likely won't impact people. I mean, I just continue to be blown away when i when i i've had some chats with golfers and i ask them what their their what they think their club head speed is and they continue to not know i mean it just continues to like well, well then why are you bitching like you you need to know that number before you open your mouth but i think they have some educating to do because they are just against this force that that just won't let up even though theoretically they caved to the uh after changing the proposal from bifurcation to to everybody, they did what the the the, the most vocal entities wanted, and they're still not um, happy. So they they were never going to be happy, I guess. With any solution is the the answer. Um, so I think they they need to kind of brush up on some of that. But the temperature has come down. You had several companies go, "We'll figure this out." So kind of the answer you'd hope. We'll uh, we'll make it work. Uh, blah 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 and and there's just the one that that holds out obviously and and they just put out a bunch of word salad which was which was kind of embarrassing for for them after having all this time to ponder a a better uh rebuttal but whatever just on the ram stuff i've got a few thoughts on this uh jeff i'll rant for 30 seconds and another minute and uh we we i think we we put our podcast out just after the announcement we didn't really get the full rollout we didn't realize just how horrific it, it, it was going to be um my single thought john ram obviously brilliant golfer most people really like him as a kind of figure uh, it struck me uh, you might disagree that he, it took him 12 hours to utterly destroy his re- his own reputation it was it seemed like a self-destruction tour um i can't believe some of the stuff that was coming out of his mouth where we spoke on our podcast about launching it on 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 Fox News, which seemed very odd, um, regardless of what your political bent is. But then he went on that Pat McAfee 
Uh, it was really fun. Somebody put this great tweet. Yeah, McAfee. Um, <laughs> uh, somebody, there was a great tweet. Somebody said most of uh, media content these days is three angry white guys with earpieces in shouting at each other. I mean, that's what Pat McAfee or McAfee show is. Uh, I don't know why Ram was on there gloating about making well, not so much Ram. He had the decency to be slightly embarrassed, but he could have quickly changed the subject. He should not have been to. on that. That was not a good yeah, place to so, be. Yeah. yeah. The uh, it was awful, and the again, the talking points that was put into his mouth. He should have told whoever the PR operation that was in controlling him that there was over those two days, he should have told them to go back to the desk and, and work up some better talking points. This grow the game, I mean, that is just just the worst. I'm not saying anything new or original uh, here, but just awful. And it's a real shame that John Ram prostituted himself to that extent. Um, by all means. You know, I would have taken the money, I'm sure, but I think I would have found a workaround um, to explain myself and to explain why I was doing this. Uh, and even if uh, I had to fudge the truth somewhat, I would have, I would have certainly done a lot more or made a lot more effort to protect my personal brand. Uh, as on um, on the uh, the banning uh, of, I mean, again, you're dead right, Jeff. In the middle of what's going on, when it's not so much the suspension. It's the message that is such an aggressive move to uh, to achieve what I, I have no idea. Um, uh, as you say, it could have waited a, a few couple of weeks or whatever what? until the kind of yeah. Sorry, go on. It, it, well, it sent a message. It tells us that they're not really sincere about <laughs> mending and finding a middle ground with with Liv. That's what it. That's what it said to me. Uh, I, I don't know how else you can read it. It's just. It's just. Uh, it, it, because yes, there's some year end stuff with other players that get to move up. What that could have waited a week if they're supposedly meeting this week and they're supposedly sincere uh, about finding uh, some sort of middle ground. So yeah. Even in terms of actually sending a message, talk about a, a, like a pop gun. It's just preposterous. Ram has gone. Yeah. You know, he's gone. So why are you suspending him? If you're trying to send a message, I'm sorry. Uh, it's, uh, you know, you're whistling into a hurricane here. Um, so totally on this, a pointless move. Again, another move from the PGA Tour that, that I, I don't understand. And other... Um, well, related just to, uh, on the ROM rollout, you know, I, I wrote a long newsletter piece about this and I, I just was flabbergasted that here's somebody who, who, uh, he just, I did the idea that he didn't have some ownership of his, uh, rollout of this, he, he just going right to all the stock live stuff on grow the game, hiding behind the family stuff. Uh, really bad pictures, the, the weird watch thing where he, you know, to show off his watch. Yeah. I mean, he just exposed himself as just another guy who is about the money after telling us he wasn't about the money. Um, you know, that he didn't have a, a charitable component or something. I mean, they're just not interested in that stuff. They, they want to be this edgy, uh, thing that appeals to, uh, to to a very small group of people and i don't i'm just mystified by why they continue i i mean i understand it it's a way to differentiate themselves but they they're doing it in a way that is unusual and of course there's so much anti uh, this was pointed out to me by a few people so this is a real uh, kind of an undercurrent of of anti-america vibe to it all that that the the tour is america and 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 we've been wronged by it and so we're gonna 
be on board with this thing. And of course, look who you have to get in bed with to be on board with that. And and it's just, it's just, the whole thing is not going to serve. I Look, I get it for somebody who's an, a journeyman, uh, last check, whatever. But for Rom, when you're thinking big picture and you've got this supposed love of the history of the game and the people who came before you, and to flush that all down the toilet in 24 hours going on the Pat McAfee show and doing the bro circuit and, and uh, you know, Fox, whatever that was, that was just a weird interview. I I'm, I'm, I'm floored. I thought he was smarter than this and the people around him were, were a little bit smarter. But then again, I also know that we know a lot of those people are the same people advising uh, Phil Nicholson and, and that hasn't gone very well. Yeah, that's maybe a touch of the old whisper rock. I know he's he's at Silverleaf, I think, isn't it? Well, there's that whole yeah, Silverleaf. That's where he and Finau are. Yeah, yeah, that there's that whole golf vibe down there. So there may be, but I I wouldn't be surprised if again, I've never come across John John Ram. I I wouldn't be surprised if he's slightly regretful looking back now and thinking, I'm guessing he's just taken however many hundreds of millions and he felt he had to do, he had to dance a dance. Uh, But I'm sure on reflection. Especially given the reaction, some of the reaction was, I mean, it was the whole debate is pretty vitriolic on both sides, I guess, these days. But I'm, I would bet John would, Ram would look at that and think, oh my goodness, I have no idea. Um, I wish I had done this differently. But there you go, he it's done now. Yeah, and, and you He's, did say his tone, his tone was generally pretty good, other than the the crap he peddled. But it, it, he, it annoys him that how much people worship Rory McIlroy. Uh, and the way he speaks and, and well, if, if that's the case, then, then why did you just go and do this the way you did it? Um, if, if you're, you're annoyed that people worship that, uh, maybe you should have maybe thought about trying to mimic that more. And I, it's just, um, really unusual. It just felt rushed. And, 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 and when, and so I go back to the timing thing, the, the idea of rushing that, that rollout. Uh, just seems to me like uh, it, it, there's a bigger story with the negotiations and yeah. Uh, oh, and by the way, he was unable to answer that question about uh, bonuses for luring other players, which I thought was was fascinating that he didn't have an answer for that. Um, and so yeah, things like that. It just tells you this is this is more about whatever's going on with this negotiation and um, and and. and I think he said he was almost emotional <laughs> hearing Rory's uh, the clip with Jamie Weir about about yeah no no question on the Ryder Cups just not even gonna we're, we're gonna have to change the rules and uh, Rory had obviously recorded that in anticipation of the move because it was the same interview I believe post distance rollback so uh, and and it was just great but it also told me you know Rory how he feels about um, potentially. I just think again, no, no, no knowledge, but but where he sees this going and sees the U.S. this being a very U.S. centric operation and and not just agreeing with that that um, you know there's there's uh, there's golf to be played outside the you know the United States and they're going to go this other direction and and he's just going to do his thing now and uh, that's a big loss for the tour. Well, here's some personal branding advice for John Ram. If he wants to try and get people back in people's good books, he should trap up to the Sandbelt Invitational next year. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> yeah, with his golf, well, or the Spanish equivalent, uh, with his golf bag on his bag, and uh, we'll all love him again. Uh, 
in the aftermath of the RAM announcement, the PGA Tour came out with their own announcement uh, that the five have gone to four, have gone to three, uh, and now they're down to one. It's the Strategic Sports Group, which is basically, well, let's just call it Fenway Sports Group, and other attendant uh, billionaires. Uh, I, I, I'm not a, I'm not up to speed on all these um Major League Baseball uh, owners, uh, Jeff, but there's a guy from the Milwaukee Brewers, a guy from the yep. Atlanta Braves. Uh, it's a bunch of uh, bunch of billionaires have kind of got together under one roof. Uh, no, there's no, so no. Many... I think uh, Falcons, the uh, Falcons in football. Isn't I don't believe it was. Oh, yeah, okay. Liberty Media is more of the Braves side of. Uh, oh, really? They're part of the Braves ownership, and yeah. Anyway, yeah. So just, but yeah, it's a lot of sports but team a, owners. Yeah, it's a spot. A lot of sports. A lot of uh, sports team ownership uh, experience uh, and media rights expertise gathered around uh, one umbrella. Uh, with so many big egos, big uh, big money in in one group, you have to wonder whether who's going to provide the leadership and Oof. what kind of cohesion yeah. there will be. That will be uh, <laughs> that will be uh, quite fun. But the um, the PGA Tour statement that uh, they've come down to that group and the intention is to move ahead and make a deal with with PIF, uh, as you say, Jeff. The timing is quite important in all of these things. Um, so there's that you have that central announcement, but behind that, beyond that, I, I now see. I, I think we've now entered the uh, phase of some serious PR wars. I think there's some serious uh, briefing, uh, some serious backstabbing uh, going on. Uh, lots of uh, again, you mentioned the story. Uh, I think oh, we talk about it with with Josh um, later on in the podcast. You mentioned the story in SI this morning. It just looked like. I mean, no offense. We've all done it, but it just looked. Uh, I think the headline was. Uh, no, we haven't. Not all of us. Uh, yeah. have, not all of us have <laughs> taken out the trash like this. No, uh, you speak well, for yourself. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, the uh, PGA Tour back on course to win the golf war. Uh, I'm not sure how that could you know could possibly be the case in any way, shape, or, or form. But there it is. Um, yeah, uh, so there's it that was a was strange like, piece. Yeah. Michael Rosenberg wrote it. It was just very odd in that that it it, it um, seemed to be totally ignoring some some things about um, what where we are. And and I I uh, I I noticed there was a sentence that actually made me laugh out loud that I I believe has now been deleted from the piece. Of course, there's no mention at the bottom about editing uh but 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 he mentioned there was a mention of and and it looks like live will you know play maybe through 2024 kind of thing um yeah no they're definitely here for at least 2024 <laughs> i mean it just felt like it, you know this is just a done deal the tour is gonna swallow it up and fold it and they'll work it it was just i just don't know i it was it was it 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 if it was a window into how they're thinking uh down there or they want people to uh, believe they're they're operating just just bizarre really really bizarre piece so uh I, I, but look it's going to be it's going to be a wild few weeks we're going to watch it play out and um but i think you and i are are our our sense all along has been to read the tea leaves and they've been so far pretty blatant about that the, the tour just does not want to do a deal with these people and um uh we'll see how that works for them it might, uh, you know, yeah. this 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 group might bring enough money to I I don't know it might but but then you couple it with some of the things we're going to talk about with Josh Carpenter on the sponsorship side, and you just go well either you don't care what's 
how the sponsors feel, or you're going to move to a new for-profit model with this private equity backing. I, you know, but anyway, so we'll just, we'll just see how it goes, but it's, it's certainly going to be a big business story in sports for, for a while still. Again, just speaking from a PR perspective, to brief a story like that, again, very heavy-handed, unnecessarily provocative as to what's to win you know, one news cycle. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't see the value in it. Uh, I'm guessing if I'm on the opposite side, I just laugh it off and, and understand that, hey, I just stole your best player last year. And if you're not careful, I'll take the, another two or three players. Um, so uh, again, oh. not not very smart briefing. On the other hand, oh, wait, uh, I, I got to correct myself. Sorry, I did find the line, and it, it has not been deleted. Live golf will likely exist in twenty twenty four. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No kidding. Um, yeah. So, but it said, yeah, that starts with the tour can bring in billions and neutralize the live threat. Are you kidding me? They just they just grab John Rom. I mean, like, oh my. Anyway, it was it was yeah. Sorry. Big story in the Wall Street Journal. I think it was yesterday. Four days that shook the world of golf, and it's essentially what is the journal doing? Well, uh, Jeff, you've never been in the cold face of daily uh, newspaper journalism, unlike unlike an old stalwart stalwart like me. Yeah. So sometimes <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. Um, somebody's giving you, I mean, fr- fresh sauce. You kind of got to you got to put it on the chicken. Uh, oh, that was a terrible analogy. Uh, the <laughs> this is essentially uh, the Ram deal seen from the the live perspective. Uh, the basic thrust was that um, that people put that um, that gif out uh, on social media all week. Uh, uh, f- fool, uh, fuck around, f- fuck around, and find out uh, was the basic tone of it. Uh, live um, their version is that uh, okay, we are we are fed up being messed around here. Uh, you better t- start taking serious, taking us seriously. Oh, you're not going to take us seriously. Okay, here's John Ram. Uh, here's uh, again floated over the weekend. I feel a bit sorry for Tony for now. I think it's pretty clear that uh, he was used as he and probably Tyrrell Hatton. Uh, they were, um, those names were being floated out there. I mean, who knows how serious live were, how far it got got along the way to getting deals signed. But th- those were the, uh, those were the, the, uh, the additional live threats as part of the John Ram signing. Uh, and cl- clearly uh, it, it, it worked. I mean, Ram announced, and what two forty-eight hours later, uh, the PGA Tour had put a definitive statement: the the long and drawn-out process of finding a private private equity partner uh, came to an end, and where it's all um, all roads now lead to, well, certainly in the PR version, all roads now lead to a deal with uh, with the PIF. Well, we'll see. I I don't know, but but uh, just on your on this whole uh, media side of things that apparently I'm quite naive about, but um, I get a lot of Google alerts on different people just so that I can, I can spend less time looking for stories to uh, put in my newsletter and different things. And I, and obviously I have one on Roy McElroy. Uh, I get a lot of good stuff uh, from that. And Lawrence, I, the strangest thing's been going on. I'm getting all the stories about a, a, a live player ranting about him and i thought oh a secret live player and i i finally opened a few of them and it's the same stuff that was in alan shipnuck's uh, book excerpt back in what was that october i think uh but suddenly it's coming out as if it's sort of a new story and being pushed 
Uh, and it just, it, there are all these weird sites, random sites, and I, I'm reading it and I think, well, this has all been out there already for months. Why is this getting pushed again? And it, it just feels like something else there that I don't quite understand. I think I know what's going on there. There's an outfit called, uh, this, this, uh, <laughs> this outfit is not involved in this, but you know what, if you've got uh, somebody like you, Jeff, you need to clean up your reputation. Uh, you can hire some company. What they really mm. do is, is say Jeff Shackleford is, you know, at the top of it. You type in his name and, and your, your, come, your name comes out at the top and some you've been charged with or convicted of, I don't know, traffic right. offences. And you don't. So these reputation companies, they, they game the algorithm, the Google algorithms. Mm. If they've kind of flood the zone to take uh, so that, that you, your conviction for a traffic offence is on Google page three or four. Something yeah. like that, so it's kind of buried, so nobody can really find it. That's mm. really well, that's what okay. happens to these companies. I think what's going on here it, it's a it's a it's a smearing operation. It's yeah. the reverse of that. People are there. Um, there are people out there who are paying, gaming the algorithms, um, paying media companies uh, to elevate the story back up, um, back up the Google uh, Google rankings. Um, you don't have to kind of work think too hard to who in whose interest is it right now yeah. to to muddy up the reputation of Rory McElroy. Um, well I, I, and, think, I think that's what's gonna sorry go couple on. it with how many there were a lot of stories on the yeah I was I don't know why I was I just did I don't on Twitter very much so I didn't see the Stenson uh story where he replied to uh Lou Stagner Rory did about uh about the Ryder Cup and and I saw multiple most of the stories that were put out were acted that this was just a horrible dig at Henrik Stenson, and 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 a rational person could just read the reply and go well, or or he was just it was just a backhanded compliment to the amazing job that Luke Donald did. I I don't know. It was really strange to me that uh, that also got got pushed repeatedly as just this horrible dig at Henrik Stenson. And it was more. Uh, did you read it that way? I read it more as well. It was. It, was, it worked out fine with Luke Donald, kind of thing. I mean, it was a, maybe a little dig, but it felt more like it worked out quite well either way. Listen, thing. Yeah, that was. I mean, I love a. I mean, I love a good shit show as much as the next man. I love all this drama and news and you know cattiness. Yeah, pr- probably you'd have to say that was slightly injudicious, injudicious from McElroy. Why bother? I, clearly, yeah. Well, especially Lou Stagner. Well, I mean, really. Well, yeah. ex- well, exactly. Let's be kind. Of, poor choice of words. I mean, it's clearly he's trying to say something nice about Luke Donald, um, but you could have said it in a in a way that didn't bring. Yeah, drugs yeah. Against, yeah. Against it's well. hardly a crime, but the way yeah. the stories that I saw on my again on my this yeah. feed, they were just pounding and uh, just ripping it. I don't know. Just it was really strange. Anyway. Go. Uh, the other um, uh, again, there's somebody, a couple of people actually mentioned this to me that uh, that the whole anti Cantley stuff uh, over the recent it was a couple of stories yeah. last week. Uh, it, that's all a, a piff operation. The theory being that uh, Cantley has been super effective and uh, the negotiations. Yeah. Uh, well, hang on, uh, don't snigger. Um, no, no, that's snickering. That, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, and that uh, he's been basically the, the main voice pushing back against Piff uh, and this was Piff's attempt to to smear him uh, Patrick's running everything he's this, he's bossy, he's controlling, he's that, he's that yeah. um, um, 
it's certainly worked. Although, again, my pushback to to one person was that well, Cantley's to a certain degree so one of his own worst enemies. Uh, he's not a very uh, approachable or uh, sympathetic figure, and doesn't make any attempt to be. If he has a public image problem, it largely dates back to the Ryder Cup. Um, again, he would have his own motivations for that, and I don't entirely disagree with with some of what he was saying around the time, or some of what he was reported to saying. But there's that, uh, you know, in terms of um, garnering fan support. I mean, you go head to head with McElroy, it's not a kind of fight you can win. Uh, so I, I'm not sure how, you know, I do agree that Cantley has a terrible public image, but I'm not sure to what extent, uh, where, to the extent where the blame lies. I mean, it must be, it might be partly piff, but it might be partly self generated. Nevertheless, yeah. his reputation uh, is, uh, is, uh, has suffered some damage over the last few months, I don't think. Uh, that's in dispute. But as I say, well, my main point is, I think yeah. we are now, sorry, Jeff, if I, just one, my main point, we are now in the full, um, yeah, I think we have some serious PR heavy hitters yeah. are now involved. Both sides appear to be getting their, themselves together. I, I'm guessing this is all uh, Yasser, uh, Rumi and, and Jim Monner, I guess, are reported to be meeting this week uh, somewhere. Um, maybe this is all a precursor to that meeting. Um Everybody getting yeah. their tanks in order, and we'll see what comes out of the meeting. But uh, it's been a very, very messy, messy week. But from a journalistic point of view, it's been it's been enthralling. Well, yeah, it just makes me realize, though, you need to be cautious because you and I even speculated when McElroy resigned that that maybe that was part of it, that it was becoming too much of a, a Patrick Cantley show, and we've kind of since seen the signs of why. McElroy quit and it's not one thing it's clearly many things including just caring more about his golf game while he's still uh, you know has his peak powers um but then yeah to your point uh Spieth Jordan Spieth spoke to Doug Ferguson to clarify that 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 was not the case with Patrick so yeah there's there's lots going on and it's just time to uh hey, like the distance thing I mean I as you know I'm close to that uh, and I've tracked that for way too long uh, in my life and devoted way too many hours to to reading crap. And it's just staggering to me. Here we are now. The thing is done. It's it's the, you know, many of the, the, the CEOs of the companies have cooled the uh, the the kind of the hot rhetoric. And yet uh, I'm still seeing all sorts of efforts to sort of campaign against it and 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 so you just have to to really watch these things it's it's a bizarre and and by the way i'm going to continue to cover the topic and still have some some interviews to do and and looking at all the i'm still rounding up all the the responses and it's uh but it is shocking how much stuff is put out that's just blatant misinformation it's there's a difference between just being uh, annoyed and or or uh, against it or not understanding it, and just people who are actually actively peddling uh, with the and and you know having been on the inside, Lawrence, I've seen these companies still. It never leads to advertising. The act, I get, you know, that's the thing. You're just like, what you're going to all this trouble and you're sacrificing your reputation, and they still don't buy ads. And why? Should, yeah, anyway, it's it's wacky. Let's talk to well, Josh. I don't you, just don't just think it's time. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, yeah, well, it's costing us ads, Jeff. I, I haven't yet had an email from a from a Kushness. No, um, that's okay. Like There's a lot that Epic. comes with that. Uh, we will uh, we will leave it at that. Uh, good to talk to you, Jeff. We've got a friend of the podcast this week.
Josh Carpenter of Sports Business Journal. Uh, I, we say to Josh um, that he is uh, one of the few guys out there now who are Sports Business Journal who's, who operates purely in the uh, fact-based arena. We talk to him about uh, all sorts of uh, things related to the tour, sponsorship, uh, tournament organisers, what he sees for the future of the PGA Tour. Anyway, our friend of the pod this week, Mr. Josh Carpenter. These are the things I wouldn't know if not for Josh Carpenter of Sports Business Journal. I wouldn't know that um, the tour is now mandating wild salmon over farmed salmon in the Players' Lounge. Uh, I wouldn't know that the tour is now asking the organisations who run tournaments up to 2% additional fee uh, for running for the privilege of uh, hosting a PGA Tour event. I wouldn't know that uh, Live Golf, uh, the, the brains, the billionaire brains at Live Golf were so incompetent that they didn't uh, register their trademarks before launching a billion-dollar golf league. And I didn't know, or I wouldn't know without Josh, uh, that TPC Scottsdale has a sports book uh, on the premises. Wow. Josh Carpenter, welcome to the show, and thanks for all that information. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. Really excited to uh, to join you. Long-time fan, uh, admire from a distance, but we saw your story last week, which is why I prompted, uh, prompted me and Jeff to reach out at that. Wells Fargo, long-time sponsor, my goodness. Uh, how long have they been with the, with the PGA Tour? Uh, do you know, Josh? Well, uh, so Wachovia, Wells Fargo is old. I mean, basically, it is Wells Fargo, just rebranded you know, a number of years ago. But, but it started out as the Wachovia Championship in 2003. Um, dropped off when the financial crisis hit from, I think, uh, 2008 to 2011. It was just the Quail Hollow Championship. And then Wells Fargo came back on, I think it was 2011. So it's been around for uh, quite a long time. Obviously, big presence here in Charlotte was a, a big banking you know, center. So You wrote the story last week that that relationship is now over. Um, big news. What happened? Well, I think, you know, and this really started um, with the, it, it's all kind of a domino of Live Golf, right? So Live Golf comes along, purses go up across the board. Um you know, Wells Fargo Championship from went from being a nine million dollar purse to an, to a twenty million dollar purse over one year. So, you know, this really started. You know, earlier this year, the first thing that kind of piqued my interest about it was there was a report. I think it was out of one of the the Dallas papers about how the tour went to the Charles Schwab Invitational and asked it if it wanted to be a, a designated event, an elevated event, and they said no, basically because. The PGA Tour has been asking these sponsors to pay $25 million per year to sponsor a PGA Tour event for the for the elevated events. And yeah. so, I mean, if you just look at those numbers, like let's let's compare Caesars uh paid did a seven-year deal with the Superdome in New Orleans and paid almost $140 million. So you can do the math there, $140 million over seven years you know, to sponsor a stadium that has NFL games, it has Final Fours, it has concerts, and that branding is affixed to that venue year-round. They're asking sponsors to pay $25 million per week for one tournament a year. Um, all the signage goes away after the event. You know, like, yeah, you can market around it leading up to the event, after and that sort of thing. But still, I think the sponsors just started saying that the juice wasn't worth the squeeze. And so... Um, you know, it, it got to a point where, uh, like I reported last week, like Wells Fargo, um, they were willing to pay north of, of $20 million to sponsor this event, but it wasn't enough. 
And I don't know if it's not that they couldn't afford it. Certainly, I think they can probably afford to spend $25 million. But it's maybe they just didn't think it was worth it with, you know, how things are going on the PGA Tour. Maybe some uncertainty around what happens with the framework, uh, that sort of thing. Is this just a, a Wells Fargo issue over haggling over money? Or does this portend some kind of wider trend? No, I don't think it's just a Wells Fargo issue. I mean, if and I should clarify, Wells Fargo is on that tournament through the end of twenty four, so they, it will be yeah, the Wells Fargo right, yeah. Championship this year. Just beyond that, they didn't they didn't renew. Um, but you look at RBC. RBC is another company. They've got two events on tour. One of them being a, a signature event down at the Heritage. Um, their contracts for those events expired this past year. Um, they re-upped with the tour, but only for one year. Um, you know, to kind of see what would happen with, uh, you know, the framework and all this uncertainty. I mean, you know, you're seeing the reports about there being possibly $2 billion invested in the tour by PIF or, or whomever. Like, there could be a lot more money um, at the tours kind of, you know, at their leisure. That, you know, so so who knows really uh, for these sponsors, is it worth locking into a long-term deal? There's a report that, you know, Cognizant has come in and is sponsoring the uh, – you know, Cognizant, which already spends a lot of money with the tour um, as, a, as a partner of the of the President's Cup, um, is coming in and sponsoring the uh, the event down in, in West Palm. What do these companies, corporations see in the tour it's, it's, or in, in sponsoring a tour event? Because it just doesn't it seems like a one way street. Well, I mean, I think, you know, one you can look at the TV ratings and say the TV ratings aren't worth it, you know, you know. PGA Tour last year averaged 2.2 million viewers on on CBS and NBC over the last year, which is you know comparatively that's pretty good. A lot of properties would love to have two million people watching their telecast on you know on a Sunday afternoon. Not you know it, I guess it depends on what your what sports property you're comparing compared to the NFL. No, but put it in context, you you when you reported that you know it's six hundred thousand less than NASCAR, so. So, right. So, and I think I just reported that and kind of tweeted out, that out in the greater context, right? It's easy for me to get in my golf bubble. And I'm sure for you guys too, and just think that everyone cares about golf and everyone's following every little step and everything that happens. It's just not the case. You know, NASCAR has been a sport that, believe me, I, I grew up in the South. Like my dad was on a NASCAR picker. I know what the peak of NASCAR was like, and it's not yeah. near what it once was. Um, but I guess my point is that it's not just TV ratings. Uh, corporate America is big into golf. You know, a lot of these CEOs want to spend money around golf. They want to play in the programs. They want to have the hospitality. They want to bring in these C-suite executives, you know, at these events. It's a big deal. Like, you know, I, we talked about how it's a lot of money to sponsor a PGA Tour event. Like, you start We'll bring up the TGL, for example. Some of these sponsorships, some of these TGL teams, it kind of blew my mind. There were a couple that started coming out, you know, before everything happened. It shut down for, a, you know, a year before it comes back. Some of these sponsors uh, paying like $15 million a year to sponsor a TGL team. It's a lot of money. People like to spend corporate dollars on golf. Uh, on that, just before I ask something else, Josh, um, do, you, do you have an understanding of, of – uh, the allure uh, from a financial or tax perspective of franchise ownership and, and why say in the case of the TGL or potentially the uh, live golf franchise model, why um, what, what is the benefit of franchise ownership for these people who are spending lavishly? It feels like there's a write-off component. There's something we don't 
quite understand that makes it work for them no matter whether or not the thing makes money or not. Yeah, I haven't figured out what it makes what makes it work from a financial standpoint yet. I think a lot of these guys um just like being a team owner, like talking with some people mm-hmm. at live, you know, I was at, at the Miami event uh, a couple months ago, you know, who's to say a guy with, you know, hundred million dollar net worth or something doesn't want to plunk down a few million and, and own a piece of a live team and be able to say that he's a part owner of a, of a sports team. Right. Um, there's a, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, of people in this world with just silly money who, who would love to just, you know, own a stake in a team, you know, TGL wise, I think there is a, they have built a, a pretty strong, you know, business model, at least from from my view of it. With all, I think just simply, if you look at the the investors that they have, they're not people just pulling off the street to invest in these teams. It's guys like Mark yeah. Pazri, it's guys like Steve Cohen, it's guys like, you know, John Henry and Tom Werner. Like, and these guys are people who have been successful um, team owners. They're not, you know, again, just people off the street. So. Um, I guess, again, it's hard, like for, uh, you know, I haven't figured out what the exact value is yet, but I think people yeah. just like to be, if they have silly money, like to be owner in a, in a sports team. So I think last year, uh, Liv was the sports business journals story of the year, right? In sports and your year in review, I believe. Yes, it was. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you, you're not remembering, um, this year it's been as much of the news as last year. Um, what's your sense of the larger sports world's view of how it's been, how it's played out and just, um, their interest level now a year later from winning that prestigious, uh, (laughs) (laughs) title from sports business. Yeah. I mean, I think people are certainly interested in the disruptive nature of it, right? It's, it's come in and it's just turned the entire sport upside down. Like just, it's, it's, I mean, Look at look at where we are right now. Like if you would look back four yeah. years ago and said, "Yeah, in 2023, you're going to be talking about, you know, Saudi Arabia's public investment fund putting money into the PGA Tour, possibly," you would have said it was it was nuts to think about. Um, I think there's a little bit less interest in it now, just because so much about live last year was like figuring out what everything was going to look like from the the league structure to the team structure to the new, you know, it was it was an NBA like. You know, the NBA is all about the off-court transactions and who's going where, and it was all about that last year. This year, it's been a lot less of that, and it's just been focused on the competition and what's happening on the course. Obviously, you had John Robb join him last week. That was big, but up until that point, there hadn't been a you know very much player movement at all, um, I don't think. So, again, I think... Us, we we I think about it constantly. It's kind of constantly in my mind how it's going to evolve, how it's going to impact everything else. Um the greater sports world though, you know, I'm not, it's, it, I don't think it's nearly as much on everyone's radar as it was, you know, 12 months ago. And that extends to the general public too, right? Like, again, we get in this golf bubble and I think that everyone's following every step of everything. And then I go and I have lunch with my family on a Sunday afternoon. There's 25 people there and, and, and no one can tell me one thing about what's going on in the world of golf. People just don't care unless they're really invested in it. Josh, I wanted to to um, kind of I, I go back on the Wells Fargo thing quickly because what I've noticed over the years when a sponsorship story happens, it takes a long time to get people to speak about why they left. You know, the, the sponsorships a branding thing, and they don't want to; they just want to quietly go away. You, 
<laughs> you had this immediately. It was like they were just dying to tell their side of the story. And I'm curious, did you, is that how you uh, read into this? Obviously, you're in Charlotte and, and Wells Fargo is a big deal and they do a lot of sponsorship in other areas. So they want to make sure that, and then they're a bank. I mean, I couldn't believe how many people responded by going, oh, don't buy their stock. They're in trouble. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah like, I, it's a, it's a little drop. I mean, they could barely even notice this in, in terms of their assets. So did you, did you read into that speed with which they were willing to uh, explain why this was ending? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, at one point I thought they were literally, I thought they were going to send out a press release saying we're not renewing, which would have been yeah. like, very out Crazy. of the order. Right. Basically a big middle finger to the PGA tour is like, Hey, yeah. we're done with you guys. So, um, but no, it, it's the same, you know, with, with some of this stuff on the, the, the tournaments and the extra fees, the tours asking and the change in the business model. It's like a lot of these guys wouldn't be talking if they were happy. Right. right. So when people are unhappy, they want to get their story out there and like, hey, we're not happy with the way things are going. And so Wells Fargo clearly was, you know, early this summer when the when, you know, this started kind of snowballing and they started asking sponsors for twenty five million a year. It sounded early this summer like Wells Fargo was out. Then I heard they were kind of they were back in. They really wanted to be you know part of the tour and stay on, um, you know, and now this. Like you know, seems sounds like the tour is driving a pretty hard bargain and saying like it's this number or 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 we're not doing it. Um, and so I guess Wells Fargo just got to a point where they they said we're not doing it. And, and yeah, it certainly seems like they're that quick to you know to say we're out. They're they're not happy. Yeah. So and I think it was Bloomberg. I don't. I think it was the one thing you haven't scooped lately was the uh, the vague uh, concept where they're going to pay back a little percentage to the uh, PGA Tour Enterprises in this new concept uh, with tournaments where they want to, they're just going to pay a fee um, back to the tour. What What is your sense of this PGA Tour Enterprises? We, you know, Lawrence and I have just been taking guesses as to what this for-profit side is, but are you, have you been getting any sense of what, what, what yeah, this is without messing up the nonprofit classic model, which is still a great, model for the networks for the sponsors and for charity and all that well, is there a sense of what, what yeah, they have in mind <laughs> honestly there's not really yet jeff like and we've done we've tried to do some digging on it it's hard to get much information about it at all from you know just what it's going to look like you know if they do have all this this huge influx of cash coming in like where's that going to go how's that going to impact pga tour or nuco or pga tour enterprise whatever they're going to call it um, there hasn't been a ton out there on it. It seems like that, you know, even with that influx of cash, though, this new funding model for tournaments, they're planning this out, you know, three years in advance. So they've got this, you know, the fees broken down little by little by little that each tournament's going to owe back to um, the tour. They're taking a piece of their revenue. So I don't have it in front of me. I forget the exact numbers, but I believe it's I think starting in 25. Yeah, 25. Yeah, and yeah. It, it starts at 1% and goes up to 2% by 27. <laughs> right. And then and so that's the <laughs> so revenue. That's that's the revenue piece of it. It starts at one, it goes to 1.5%, and then 2% and 27. But then there's the fee on top of that. I think it's fall events are paying $125,000. Full field are paying 250. And then your signatures are paying 500 that starts in 25 and then those double the next year. 
And then those numbers will stay the same going forward. So um, again, it, it's, it's been tough to get much about what's, what's, what PGA tour enterprise is going to look like, but it seems like that funding model, you know, where they're asking more from these events, it's still going to go on even with that influx of cash. Josh, what happens to the charitable side of the PGA Tour? You know, these people do great work. I think of, uh, is it the Conquistadors in, in Scottsdale? And, yeah. you know, the people in Memphis, at St. Jude's. I mean, that's a really, not in terms of actual worth. It's a, obviously, it's, a, it's the value in, in this, you know, it's intrinsic value is amazing. But uh, just in terms of image for the PGA Tour, I, I mean, are they, going to, are they going to keep that going? Are they, are they going to forget about it? What's going to happen? I think they will. I mean, that, that was the, the big thing, you know, a few weeks ago, and I reported on this new funding model is a lot of people I talked to said, hey, it's going to start cutting into our charity dollars. And and those fees, again, on the surface, the, like $125,000 for a fall event or two fifty dollars for a, a full field, it doesn't seem like that much on the surface. But when you break out all the costs that an event has to pay to go toward putting that on, it's notable. Right. And 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 two percent of revenue doesn't seem like that much for the, you know, Butterfield Bermuda Championship. But for the Phoenix Open, that's yeah. a pretty big number. Right. Um, so there's there's multiple ways you can look at it. Like, yes, I, you know, a lot of the people I've talked to said it is going to cut into their charity money a little bit if there's not some kind of give and take here. But at the same time, you know, some other folks I've talked to who run tournaments, you know, they brought up the fact that the PGA Tour during COVID basically basically bankrolled their events. And they've, you know, the PGA Tour has been there to help these events keep going. Okay. Um, and so there has been a little, those tournament meetings last week, I think at the start of them, when they started talking about this model, which they had been telling them this was coming, there was probably a lot of vitriol and, and kind of piss and vinegar. But by the end of them, some people, I think, had got, kind of gotten their arms around it a little bit. Um, and I don't see like the charitable aspect of the PGA tour, just, you know, going poof and being gone. Right. Um, I think it'll stay there. Um, and, and I think it'll vary probably by event too, right? Some events, their charity might be a little bit more, uh, hit, hit a little bit harder than others. I've been struck by how quiet the TV side has been on this. Um, we've seen some vague reports that, uh, but nobody's been able to pin it down that they have some some language in their their deal. It was the reason the deal took so long to be finalized that, that requires a certain uh, number be met on the world ranking average in the fields or else they don't pay as much. Have you guys been able to detect uh, what what CBS and, and NBC uh, think of all this? No, they like you said, they've been pretty quiet on it. I have seen the reports. I think did did Mickelson mention that uh too at one point on social media? Maybe he he, or, he did. He did. Maybe there have been some other folks that have mentioned it. Um we you know, uh my my colleague John Arand is the is the expert on TV rights and all that. Um we haven't gotten together and done that story yet. We probably should. Um, uh, but you know, haven't gotten there yet. But yeah, I mean if you uh, if you look at the world rankings and how that's that's going to play out and what's happening there, if there is that clause in their TV deal, I mean that could have a again a huge domino effect on, on what happens here. Uh, I'm also curious. I you know, I've told Lawrence this. I feel like uh, the resistance we've seen from the tour to go global and to to, to more mimic F1 
is a result of of the knowing that those two networks don't really want that. They want to fill those Saturday hours. Those are great hours for them to fill during the daytime uh, most of the year. Um, is that something that uh, when you when you guys look at sports stories, I mean, you're obviously an American-based publication, but but you have tracked all these these things like F1. Do you do you see sponsorship in the world kind of uh, uh, being more uh, prepared for that with something like golf, or do you do you feel like the tour is probably right to stick with their current media partners and stay America focused? Yeah, I think. Yeah, obviously those TV deals were done with with the U.S. in mind, right? Um, yeah, you know, I I see a lot of value in going to other countries and you know playing in Australia and playing in Asia and and the tour has played in Asia, uh, but um, yeah, they don't have a huge presence out. You know, South America obviously, and they have the PGA Tour Americas and all that, but. Um, yeah, that would that would be a big change, I think, to the TV model if they decided, hey, we're going to start playing regular events, you know, on the other side of the world. I mean, for me, I'm on the East Coast and full disclosure, like I'd, I love watching Australian golf, but it's on in the middle of the night. And unless yeah. I DVR it, I'm not catching much of it. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that could, you know, if they do end up doing this merger and there's, you know, a number of events played across the world like what does that look like um that's a it's a big question the uh well it works for formula one would be the response straight away these they they run the races in the middle and oh, not to, to some extent they they don't compromise on timings um uh, but but again formula one had a presence around the world that perhaps the pg tour hasn't obviously hasn't had around the world so it was maybe that shift was easier or that the the decision not to compromise is easier for Formula One. Um, here, um, we should kind of wrap this up, George. Um, everybody's got a view on the. I, I saw a report that we talked about it earlier in the podcast. Report this morning that the PGA Tour is now winning the golf war. What an odd, uh, what an odd uh, way of framing this. Um, okay, and we're going to hold you to this, Josh, because I've billed you as somebody who, who deals in the fact-based world. Um, so. How do you see this playing out? And remember, your career depends on what you say in the next five well, minutes. I, yeah, I'm going to be really careful with what I say. Then, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, I, I have been of the opinion that I think this John Rom, you know, deal really could lead to, to getting golf back together. Um, I had some people telling me, uh, you know, last Thursday night, they said, "Hey, a, a couple things could happen. Like John Rom could come on and announce that he's going to live." Or I think it's possible that there's some kind of framework deal that gets announced tonight. Like, now, obviously, that didn't happen. I'm not saying that the sides are close or anything like that. But I just think, um, you know, seeing Rom do this kind of heel turn was so surprising. Not in that moment because it had been rumored for so long. But if you go back and just look at the way he's he's been, he's such a student of the game. He's a historian of the game. Like, he loves legacy Uh, We've talked about how, you know, or or some have speculated that he wasn't happy that he hasn't really had a say in how things have played out. You know, maybe this is John Rahm's way of saying, this is my legacy. I brought global golf back together by joining Liv. I got paid, but in turn, you know, the sides came together and they were able to do a deal. So, you know, obviously you saw, you know, John signed with, 
live. And then what, three days later, less than three days later, the tour, again, we should be careful saying that they've done a deal with this strategic sports group, but maybe they should have taken this path back in June and said they've agreed to negotiate with, you know, um, but that's kind of been my take over the last week is that I, I really do. I, I do think that um, maybe not the PGA tours back in control, um, as that that SI piece uh, set, hinted at that, that you mentioned, um, but maybe there is a, a clearer path back to, to to getting things back together. I mean, with everything, you know, deadlines spur action, right? And we're sitting here three weeks from this December 31st deadline. I know it's self-imposed and they could extend it, but, um, you know, maybe we do see the, the sides come a little bit closer together and, and maybe they get something done. What do you guys think? Well, I think the opposite. I I don't understand yeah. how what they've done is anything but a hostile, hostile move. And it was supposed to be done in three weeks. Uh, the original deal. I just it just doesn't. All the signs to me just point to. I mean, and then and then the tour goes and suspends John Rahm. Well, if they were, if the ultimate goal was to to work this out, you couldn't put off the John Rahm suspension for a few more days. You I know, will really, say that be a little bit of pause last night. Really strange move. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know. I and then if they let's say they do kiss and make up, then we'll, I, I you know, Liv's committed for several years to operate. I don't understand how that's that works. Um, and I've been mystified by the tour's resistance to the some of the to the franchise model, but um, that 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 there's some uh, there's something there that they and they just seem dead set against it. So I, I it, to me it seems like it's as big a mess as it's ever been. Lawrence, Yasser <laughs> knows what he's doing, you know, and I'm co not quite sure, and I've never been quite sure that the PGA Tour understood who they were dealing with. Yeah, we we came out with our our most influential most influential in sports business in 2023 yesterday, and Yasser was number one. There was a very heated debate about that, but if you look at the impact that he's had, you know, it started with Live, but it spread. Well, you know, the F1 stuff was there before Live, but I think you've seen it spread kind of across U.S. sport. Now you've got Monumental Sports and Entertainment there in in D.C. Um, being open to to negotiating with sovereign wealth funds and bringing those things in, you've seen again Yasser what he's done with Newcastle um, and with Live. I mean, it's it's totally turned everything upside down. And um, anything else, Jeff? Before we let Josh go back to his uh, day job. Uh, no, that was great, Josh. Thank you so much, and I'm I'm glad you're on the beat. It's I don't think we're even close to the uh, the end of of a lot of big big stories, and and uh, I think we you know just summing it up there the way we just discuss it it's it's clearly has an impact on all sports it's not just a golf story so uh looking forward to more of your uh your work all right thanks guys thank you josh